What's up, guys? Welcome to the Engaged ASU podcast. We are an on-campus ministry here at Jacksonville State University. We want to see God's kingdom come here at JSU as it is in heaven. Hey, great to see you all tonight. If you have your Bibles, we'll be in Exodus 31, so feel free to open those up or turn those on. Um, We'll have the verses on the screen for you, so if you don't have your Bible, man, you're totally fine. Don't worry about it. But that's where we're going to be tonight, a little bit later on, as we continue this series, When I Grow Up. So this is your first time with us. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. I'm Jesse. I'm the college pastor here. And let me just very quickly catch you up on what we've been doing. So the whole purpose of this series is based upon this idea that when we have the wrong expectations, even success feels like failure. And so what we've been talking about is for so much of our lives, right, we have these expectations today that really set up how we view ourselves and our lives tomorrow. And if their expectations are wrong, then we can think that we're failing when we're actually not. And so we've talked about uh, body image. We talked about that last week and kind of have the right definition of that. Uh, we've talked about of spiritual failure and kind of what that looks like now and what that looks like as we get older. And then tonight, we're going to be talking about your career. We're going to be talking about your job once you graduate college and kind of seeing what is the right definition of success when it comes to that. And so a little bit later on, we're going to be hanging out in Exodus uh, 31. Right now, we're we're, um, going to kind of get ready to look at how we can best understand our career in light of who Jesus is and a lot of what he's called us to do. So again, Exodus 31 is going to help us do that. So my junior year of college was a really rough year for me. And it all started when I decided to be an RA in the dorms where I went to school, right? So RA, resident assistant, for those who maybe haven't lived on campus before, uh, their job is to kind of hang out in the um, dorms, kind of make sure everything's running smoothly. And so I decided to do this because, true story, I was single, and I was sick of spending the weekends alone by myself, which I realize now is like really sad and really funny at the same time, but that's where I was, right? And so so I decided to do that, which was a really bad idea, because I found out very quickly that even though I thought living on campus and kind of building community with my residents was going to be a lot of fun, it definitely was not, because when your roommate hates you, because you bust them at a party the first week of school, and on Thanksgiving you make your mom cry because you're on call and you can't have dinner with the family, you realize two things. First of all, that you're a horrible human being. (laughs) And secondly, that this whole RA life isn't what I expected it to be, right? But see, because I became an RA, I ended up actually leaving a job that I loved, a job that I thought was great, got paid really good money, in order to do another job working for an insurance company as a salesman. And that job sucked. Um, It was so bad because something about me, uh, I'm a really big people pleaser, right? Which means I don't like being pushy. I don't like confrontation, right? I don't like making people feel uncomfortable. So everything that makes you an awful salesman. And so I used to sit in this room with this Britney Spears headset on you know, calling these random businesses all across the Atlanta area, trying to convince them to buy this insurance. And I was so bad at it, so bad at it. But you know who wasn't bad at it? 
Kyle. Because we all know Kyle, right? right? Kyle is that person, that guy who was really good at something when you're definitely not, right? He was constantly reminding you how much of a failure you are. That was Kyle. So for very obvious reasons, I did not like Kyle. As he walked around with his successful attitude all the time. Because he just embodied everything that was wrong with that job the world, and apparently myself. So not a big fan of Kyle. But so even in the midst of all that happening, being an RA, having a job that wasn't very good, I was also in school. And I didn't like the classes I was in. Because I never really enjoyed my major. I was a communication major, but I was only doing my undergrad because I wanted to eventually go and get my master's. And so what that means is so many times I was in class and either it was boring, right, it was unnecessarily hard, or it was just pointless. I mean, I did not have fun in school. So you can imagine one day it was so weird for me because I was hanging out with a fellow RA. This is probably towards the end of my junior year, right, this rough year that I'm going through. And we're sitting there. In the middle of us hanging out, she's working on the school assignment. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she just gets, like, really giddy and just shouts, I love my classes. Yeah, that's what I thought. And I mean, I'll never forget that because this idea of somebody loving school was so foreign to me. Right? I mean, I did not even know that even was something that existed. Because I was just going through school so that I could do something that I loved. Right? That's that why I was here. So I couldn't even understand this idea of this girl having so much joy where she was. So my junior year, man, it was, because of the reasons, it was a rough year for me. And so, so often that year, I felt so much discontent. Right? So unhappy about where I was in my life. And, and I was just tired, right? I was, I was tired of being an RA. I was tired of being in pointless classes. I was tired of being shown up by Kyle. I was just tired. I was just so tired. I mean, I was just wishing that I could just move on and pass this and eventually get to something in my life that I enjoyed. And see, the reason I tell you all that is because I've had conversations with, with some of you in this room. And I know the way that I felt my junior year of college is the way that a lot of you guys feel here tonight. Right? You're so discontent. Right? You're so unhappy because of kind of what's going on, right? And even though you're trying to enjoy school, even though you're trying to enjoy your time here, right? You're in these classes that you can't stand, or maybe you're just doing a bad job, or maybe you're at a bad job. Or maybe something else is just going on in your life, and you're just annoyed about what's happening. I mean, so many of you in this room, I get it. You are discontent, and you don't really have a lot of happiness because of where you are right now. And see, even if that's not you, there's a great chance that's going to be you. Because this feeling of discontentment, what I've realized, is actually so common in college. And I think I know why. Because see, college is such a challenging time. Because you're almost at the finish line, but you're not quite there yet. Right? You're so close to being done with school, but you still have a little bit to go before you finally finish. 
And see, because you're so close, you are constantly in your life coming face to face about what you want to do with your life. Right? You're constantly having to come to this realization that eventually you're going to be done with this and you are going to have to move on and get a job. Right? You're going to eventually have to have a career. I mean, you have to choose a major in college, which means you have to get to a point that you start thinking about what you want to do when you grow up. And for some of y'all, that's easy, right? Some of y'all know exactly what you want to do. In fact, you walked into college knowing what you wanted to do. Right? You walked into this place, right? Somebody asked you at freshman orientation what you wanted to do, what your dream job was. You said, you know, I know that, right? I want to be a radiologist, computer programmer, activist, extraordinaire, right? I mean, you just listed exactly what you wanted to do. But see, others of us, not so much. Right? Maybe you thought you knew what you wanted, but now you're just really not quite too sure. Or maybe you have an idea, but you just don't really know what direction you're going to go, right? You're not sure. But here's the thing. Whether you know for certain what you want to do or whether you're still figuring it out, we all have the same goal when we leave this place. And that's to have a job that we're passionate about. Right? All of us want a job that we're passionate about. Right? That's why if you love working at kids, working with kids, you've decided to be a teacher. That's why if you love helping people, you've decided to be a nurse. Right? That's why if you think the idea of having your own company is kind of fun, you've decided to be a business major, right? Because we all want to do stuff that we're passionate about. I mean, even if you're sitting here in this room and you have no idea what you want to do, right, you're still trying to figure out what your, what your thing is, that's why you don't know. That's why you've changed your major. That's why you're undecided, because you haven't found something that excites you yet. You haven't found something that you're passionate about. And so we all have the same goal. We want to graduate college, and we want to get a job that we're excited about. We want to do something that we love when we grow up. But see, here's what's hard for you. Because even though you're constantly thinking about your major, and even though you're constantly thinking about what you want the future you to do, you can't do it yet. Can't do it, right? At least not in the way that you want to, not as a full-time profession. And because you can't do this yet, you just feel honestly stuck. Or you just feel like you're in this place where you're just stuck, just having to kind of wait for something to happen. And so you have to get jobs that you don't like or you, you have to do something that's not fun. You have to take classes that are difficult, right? As you kind of wait to get to this point that you can finally do what you want to do, finally do what you love. And when you're there, as so many of you are, that's a struggle. And it's a struggle because if you're honest, you can't find a sense of purpose. And that is so big for where you are right now. That is why we're discontent in college. That's why we can go, go so often being unhappy. Because we don't feel like when we're here that we really have this meaningful purpose in our lives. And that was me so much of my time in school. I mean, so much of my time in school, I just didn't feel like I had a sense of purpose. Right? I knew what I wanted to do. Right? I was passionate about one day doing something that I'm doing today, right? Staying on stage and teaching you guys. That's what I was passionate about, but I couldn't do that yet, so I just felt stuck. I just found myself doing things that I didn't like, having jobs that weren't fun, sitting through classes 
that seem pointless, right? Competing with Kyle and losing, right? All this kind of stuff. See, this is what I thought. I thought, you know what? I'm going to go through this time and I'm just going to kind of put off my purpose. I'm just going to kind of put off my purpose until I get to a point that I get to do something that I love. Because see, whenever we can't find joy in our lives, that's what we do. Right? We kind of project it onto a future event. Right, we're having a bad week, so we think about how much fun that concert's going to be this weekend. Or something's going on, we can't wait until we're kind of on that vacation next year. And see, so what we do is we sit in college and we don't enjoy where we are. We think our classes or pointless, or hard, or difficult, or whatever, and what we find ourselves doing is we say, well, I'm just going to wait until I have that dream job. So we put off purpose, and when we do that, we start to romanticize what our life will be like when we're out of here. We start to romanticize about how much better things are going to get for us once we're done with college. We think, you know, once, once I become a teacher, then I feel like my life will matter. Or once I get that job as a nurse, then I'm going to feel like I'm actually making a difference in this world. Or maybe when I work for that company, I won't find this feeling of emptiness that I wrestle with so much. Right? That's what we do. What we think that when we finally get to the future, we expect to have this sense of purpose. And so we become so envious of that job that we hope to have. We become so envious of our life after college because we think that when we get there, our life will finally have meaning. And see, the reason we feel this way is because we have an expectation. We have this expectation that we carry around. And it's that we expect our passion to give us purpose. Right, this, everything that we've been talking about is that we expect our passion, that, that, that job that we can't wait to have, that position for that company or whatever it might be for us, we expect that one day when we have that dream job, right, when we're finally doing something that we love, then we'll have a sense of purpose. Then we'll feel like our lives matter. And so that's what we do. We walk around and we're willing to go through this stage of discontentment, right? We're willing to go through this challenging time in college because we hope and we expect that one day what we're passionate about, what we want to do will give us that purpose that we desperately want right now. See, here's the problem. Even though we expect our passion to give us purpose, it won't. Right? At least not in the way that we hope it will. Because once you get that job, yes, once you get that job that you want so badly, right, there will be this, you will find some fulfillment, right? You will find a sense that you're doing something that matters. But the problem is that doesn't last. I mean, it doesn't. Because when that job that you desperately want is a little bit harder than you think it is, or when you start to think that what you're doing actually isn't making a difference, then you're going to start to become unhappy. You're going to start to become discontent all over again, just like you are right now. And so what you can do is you can jump to another job, hoping to find that purpose. 
And then when it goes away, you're going to jump to another job and jump to another job. You'll find yourself constantly jumping to these jobs because you're trying to find this lasting purpose. You're trying to prove that your life has meaning, that you matter. But it's not going to work because that's not your job's job. Instead, your passion has a much bigger purpose. And to find out what that is, I want to look at Exodus 31. Because it's there that we get to see. But before we jump into that passage, let me give you just a very quick kind of background, quick idea of what the context is going on here. So this is actually a very important time in the life of the Jewish people. Because right before this, for 400 years, they've been in slavery in Egypt. But then God chooses to raise up a guy named Moses, which most of you guys know, and he uses Moses to rescue the Jewish people. And then he takes them to a place called Mount Sinai. And when they get to this place, God gets along with Moses, and he lays out how he wants the Jewish people to live as a nation that follows him. And what he tells Moses is he wants them to build something called a tabernacle. Right? It's this, this extravagant tent where they can worship God and where God can specifically come down and fill his presence with his people. And then in this tabernacle, he tells Moses all the stuff that he wants. He talks about how he wants the Ark of the Covenant, which is a place where Moses and God will speak face to face. He talks about how he wants these altars, right? So these altars where they can burn incense to God, where they can make offerings to God. And he even talks about how he wants this lampstand of all pure gold to be made. All this different stuff. In fact, for six chapters, God goes on and on in detailed manner about what he wants Moses to do. How he wants this tabernacle to be built and everything inside of it. And then after he kind of overwhelms Moses with all of this, everything that Moses has to make from scratch, right? Because this is a new people and a new place. They don't have any of this. God says to Moses, look, don't worry though. Because I got a guy who can help you with this. And see, that's where we pick up on Exodus chapter 31, beginning with verse one. So let's read this together. It says, the Lord also spoke to Moses, look, I have appointed by name Bezalel. Son of Urah, son of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, right? So Bezalel, that's our guy. This is the person that God has picked to basically be the construction supervisor of this tabernacle. His job is to build it, and his responsibility is to come up with all of the stuff that's inside of it. This huge job, and God has given it to Bezalel. And then when we continue to read, we see why God has given it to him. It says, I have filled him with God's spirit, with wisdom, understanding, and ability. In every craft to design artistic works in gold, silver, and bronze. To cut gemstones for mounting and to carve wood for every craft. So God says the reason he cho- chose Bezalel was because he gave him his spirit, right? Because he's, he's wise, because he has understanding, but he also mentions something else. He has ability. And obviously very specific ability, right? I mean, this guy is crazy good at doing artistic designs with gold, silver, and bronze. 
Right? He, is, he is good at cutting gemstones for mountain. Right? He can take rocks and turn them into masterpieces. And then he even talks about how he can take wood and he can carve it and make anything that you want out of it. I mean, this guy is a master craftsman. I mean, he is the Israelite version of Ron Swanson. And that's what this guy is. I mean, he is the perfect person for God to choose to build this tabernacle. And I think it's over-spiritualizing this passage if we just think that in this moment when God is speaking to Moses that he automatically just gives this ability to Bezalel. Right, as if he just kind of zaps him and all of a sudden he becomes this great artistic craftsman. Now, I think a much more realistic understanding of this is that he's been doing this for a long time. Right, that he knew how to carve and design and to cut well before this project came. In fact, this was probably this guy's trade when he was in Egypt. Right, all those years that they spent in slavery there, his probably job, right, his trade was to take metals and wood and stone and to create amazing things out of it. So that's what, what, this, what that means is huge. Because what that means is that God gave Bezalel these abilities well before this project. Probably years before. And because this guy is really good at this, this is obviously something that he's got to be passionate about, right? He's got to be passionate about designing and cutting and making things. And so what we see happening here is so cool. Because what we see happening is that we see that God has gifted this guy with these different abilities. And God has given him a passion to do something. And in this moment, God is bringing these two things together so that Bezalel can do something amazing for him. And that's how this passage connects with where all of you are sitting in this room. Because even though the situation is unique, right? I think what's happening here actually isn't. Because see, God has given all of us unique abilities, right? He's given us gifts. He's given us talents. He's given us things that we're good at, right? He's, he's allowing you in college to develop these different skills. And see, God has also given all of us a passion, right? Something that excites us. Like teaching kids, or helping people, or owning our business, or whatever it is that you just would love to do. And what God wants to do in your life is he wants to take what you're good at and the abilities that he has gifted to you, and he wants to take what you're passionate about, and he wants to bring those two things together so that you can do amazing things for him. Because the reason that you think the way you do, the reason that you love the things that you love, the reason that you're good at the things that you are, and the reason that you're here at JSU isn't an accident. Because God has a specific plan for you. And what God is doing right now as you sit here in college is he's preparing you for what he wants to do with your life. 
And so what that means is that you don't have to put off purpose until after you graduate. Instead, you have a purpose right now. And that purpose is to allow God to prepare you for what's happening next. Because for years, years, Bezalel was hanging out in Egypt. And he was just learning how to do things with his hands, right? He was just getting better at these skills. He was getting better at these abilities that God had given him. But it wasn't until this moment that he finally realized what was happening. When he finally realized that God gives him a passion and God gave him these abilities so that in this moment he could do something for him. It was in this moment that he realized that God gave him a platform to build this amazing tabernacle that we'd be talking about even today. And see, God wants to do the same thing in your life. And so what that means is that your passion isn't meant to give you purpose. Instead, your passion is meant to give you a platform. A place where you can use your abilities and your skills and soon a degree in order to tell people how amazing your God is. But your passion is going to give you a platform to tell people about the unconditional love of God because you know what that looks like. Right? It's going to give you a platform to treat people with kindness the way that God has treated you. And it's going to give you a platform to tell people about a God who loved you and them enough to go to a cross and to die for them. God wants to take your abilities and God wants to take your passion. And just like Bezalel, God wants to use you to do something amazing for him. Because we can't miss what's not happening in this passage. Because one thing we know about God is our God is a God that creates, right? He's the creator God. We know that he just speaks and things happen. So what that means is that God doesn't need Bezalel to build this tabernacle. God could easily take care of that on his own. He could just speak and it would be there. But he doesn't do that. Instead, he wants to use Bezalel and all these abilities and talents that he's given him to build it. And even though we know that God has the ability to speak and let everybody in the world know what he has done for them at the cross, he doesn't. And instead, he gives all of us that amazing privilege. He gives all of us the amazing privilege to tell people about a God whose love is better than life itself. Where he gives us the amazing privilege to tell people about a grace that is bigger than all the shameful things that we've ever done. I mean, God gives us that amazing opportunity. And so when you grow up, the best platform where you can show people all the good things that God has done for you is going to be your job. It's 
going to be that place that you go to and you get to do what you love and you get to use the abilities and the talents and the degree that God has given you. And in that moment, you get to tell people about the amazing love that God has for you and the amazing love that God has for them. So don't waste your job trying to find fulfillment in it. Because again, that's not your job's job. That's Jesus's job. Instead, what our job's job is, is to give us a platform so that we can point people to the cross. So we can tell people about a God who loves them. That's your purpose. Your purpose is to go someplace and to do something to strategically tell people about Jesus. To do something so that other people hear the good news of what God has done for you. That's your purpose. And so what that means is if we want to have the right definition of success when it comes to our future job, it means that we don't change what we want to do. That's not what we do. Instead, we change why we want to do it. So don't change your passion, change your purpose. That's the right definition. That's the right expectation is that we have a passion and we use that to further God's kingdom. So if you want to be a nurse, be a nurse. Right? Pursue that passion that you have. But maybe instead of staying in the state of Alabama and doing that, why don't you consider going somewhere else? Maybe to another state. And helping with the church plant in a part of the country where a lot of people don't know Jesus. Right? Don't change your passion to own your own business. But maybe do that in another country, a country that's closed off to the gospel, and use that as an opportunity to share with people who don't know Jesus and maybe never even heard of him what he's done for them. Right? Don't change your passion to be a teacher, but go to that school that nobody else wants to go to. Because the kids at that school also need to know the love of Jesus in their lives. See, our jobs are so much more about Jesus than they are about us. And so we don't have to change our passion, but we do need to change our purpose and to make sure our purpose matches with what God wants us to do, which is to share the love and the grace and the goodness of a God who did everything possible so that we could say, be saved and forgiven and spend eternity with him. And I know some of you in this room, you're sitting here and you're like, this is cool, this is great, but I literally have no idea what I wanna do. I have no idea how God has designed me and what he wants to do with my life because of that. And so that's you here tonight. First of all, don't stress. Because see, God is even still preparing you now for what he wants you to do next, even if you have no idea what that is. So don't stress. But here's some questions that you can ask yourself to help you figure out what God wants you to do. Right, first, what are you passionate about? Right, what do you love doing? What gets you excited? What gets you up in the morning? Secondly, what are you good at? 
what abilities has God given you like he's given Bezalel? Right? What do people look at you and say, hey, you're really gifted at that? Where do you stand out compared to other people? And then the third question is how can you use both of those things to point people to Jesus? So think through that, pray through that and allow those questions to help you figure out what God wants you to do with your life. Because God has a plan for you. And there's a, a verse in Psalm 138.8 that I love that is so comforting that says when, that God has a purpose and a plan for us and we can't even mess that up. That says God will fulfill his purpose for us. So again, don't stress. Trust in God. Right? God is doing something in your life right now because he wants to do something amazing through you. So when it comes to our future jobs, when it comes to our careers, it's not about pursuing a dream job. Instead, it's about pursuing a job that allows us to be a part of seeing God's kingdom come and his will be done here on earth as it is in heaven. That's the purpose that we build our lives on. That is where we find fulfillment. And that's how we can live our lives in a way that makes much of Jesus. So let's not change our passion, but let's make sure our purpose matches with what God wants us to do. Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for the opportunity we have to see that you are a God who loves us, a God who has gifted us. And I thank you, Father, that every single person in this room has a passion and they have abilities. God, two things that you have given to them. Two things that you have specifically allowed them to have because of your love for them and because of how you created them. And so my prayer, God, is that we would take those two things and that they would come together to allow us to be people who do so much great things for your kingdom. That these two things would come together, Father, for us to have jobs in our lives where we're constantly doing something that we love, Lord, something that you've given us. But then at the same time, we're constantly letting people know that there is a God whose grace is always bigger than we think it is. A God whose love for us is so strong that he was willing to come down and die in order that he might know us and love us. And the Father, we look at our jobs as a platform not to find purpose, but as a platform to tell the world about you. Father, may we build our lives upon that. Because that is such a firm foundation. And so may we sing to you right here and right now. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.